Hey friends, welcome back to the Beyond Leadership Podcast and uh, happy Mother's Day to all of the mamas who listen to this show. Um, I have a special treat for you today. My guest, Amanda Tice, is absolutely amazing. She is a gorgeous model, a mama to a little boy, and she really has this background not just in modeling and, and knowing your people, but since becoming a mom, she's built her background in comparative human development and really is trying to lead this mom revolution aimed at helping moms tap into their inner wisdom and uncover truths about motherhood to thrive postpartum and beyond. Her book, The New Mom Code, is out anywhere. Um, I'm really excited to read it, especially after our conversation. But the conversation that we have today is all about motherhood and finding yourself because you know if you've been a longtime listener of the show, I talk so much about knowing yourself above all else. You cannot be a good leader if you do not know who you are. And sometimes motherhood can can kind of crash that down around you, can kind of force that to change. So my Mother's Day treat for you, my friend, is this conversation with Amanda Tice. You're listening to the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Chipchinski. It is my purpose in life to use the lessons I've learned from more than a decade of leadership experience in everything from business to politics to nonprofit and the military to help you become the leader you've always dreamed of having. Whether you lead a network marketing team, a Bible study, a global brand, or a family of four, Every week, I'm going to walk you through tangible ways to grow your influence and make your vision a reality. So if you're ready to drop the burnout and bullshit strategy you've been fed and design your own aligned leadership style, you're in the right place. Let's go. All right, Amanda, thank you so much for joining the Beyond Leadership podcast today. I'm I'm really excited to talk to you because we're talking motherhood and that is honestly, the most near and dear subject closest to my heart in the entire world. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yeah. So why don't you start by telling me and telling the listeners just a little bit about you and what makes you the expert on motherhood? (laughs) Not that there is an expert on motherhood. Like, Let's get that out of the way. Okay. So... I have been a plus size model for the past 13 years. I've definitely seen a lot of fluctuations in my body, you know, before having a baby and now postpartum. And then on top of that, I am also the author of The New Mom Code, Shatter Expectations and Crush It at Motherhood, which is a book aimed at helping mothers find themselves in those first few months and years postpartum. So I like to address all of the taboo topics that women are often uncomfortable talking to each other about. And I also give tools and strategies for finding yourself again postpartum. So one thing that I found interesting about what you just said was you said in the the weeks and years postpartum. So most of us, when we think postpartum, we think like, 
oh, up to your six-week appointment when all of a sudden your doctor clears you to return to normal life. <laughs> and like that's postpartum, right? But you said years. So years. let's let's start there. Let's start years out. Yeah, well, I think I always say postpartum as any time after having a baby because you go through such a transition in that period from getting pregnant to having a baby. And that motherhood experience is really a postpartum motherhood experience, right? Because this is after you've had a child. So, you know, in my book, I really try to address a lot of the obstacles that you may face, not in not only in those first six weeks, but in those first few years. Because once you kind of get through that first year postpartum, you start having a lot of questions about, who am I now? Who am I besides mom? What makes me the person that I am? I think there's a lot of inner dialogue that starts to bubble up after that first year postpartum, which is something that I really wanted to address in my book as well. So I do believe that postpartum is years, not just months. And I think it needs to be treated that way, especially because, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with matrescence, have you heard of matrescence? I am not. Okay. So matres matrescence is an anthropologically studied phenomenon about how moms go through a biological, emotional, and spiritual transformation from the time they get pregnant throughout the time that they give birth and have their child. So this has been studied by Dana Raphael in 1973 and something that, you know, is actually happening to all women when they go through the process of becoming a mother. But yet, for whatever reason, it's not talked about widely. It's not in the Webster's Dictionary. And I feel like only now are more people understanding what matrescence is and realizing that it is the equivalent to the developmental push of adolescence. So hmm. people don't realize just how much women are going through when they start their motherhood journey. And I think it's something that really needs to be addressed and talked about and needs to be normalized. Yeah, that when you say that, that actually makes a lot of sense because, you know, adolescence, you're going through a lot of hormonal change. Same with pregnancy. You're going through a lot of hormonal change, right? But the way that you think whether it's a product of the hormones or a product of whatever's on the other side of the change it, it changes the way you think and the way you think changes the way you act. Like there are so many things, you know, we talk a lot about this, like there were so many things that I did in 2019 that I would never do now. There are so many things that I did before I was a mom that now seem just ridiculous. One of them being like staying up past 1030 at night. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. And, and you know, free time, right? There is no such thing as free time when you become a mother. It's called paid time because you're either having to ask a favor of a friend or you're having to pay someone to watch your child, right? So mm -hmm. for sure, there's a huge transition. And the thing that's interesting, too, about matrescence that they talk about is that it doesn't just happen the first time you go through this process. It happens every time you have an additional child. So you're going through this major transition multiple times if you have multiple children. Now, how many babies do you have, Amanda? I just have the one and I am one and done. <laughs> <laughs> how old? 
So my son is now five. Uh, I, I wrote, I started writing my book when he was about 18 months old. So a lot of my stories are more fresh to the actual timeline that they were written on. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, I'm five years postpartum and my life's very different than it was at the beginning, but I still very much relate to that first year and those first few years postpartum that were so difficult. So now you started writing your book, your baby's a year and a half old. Were you also working outside the home at that point in time? I was. So I was still modeling and I was using the writing as more of a hobby rather than considering a career move. Even when I started writing this book, I wasn't, I wasn't goal oriented about it. It was more of a passion project of mine and less of something that I had necessarily planned to publish. But what I did feel really passionate about was the fact that I felt there were so many things about motherhood that women weren't talking about with each other. And there is this intense feeling of loneliness, especially in those first few months postpartum, Mm -hmm. that I felt like just weren't addressed. And so I felt this really... I felt this need to write about the experiences of new motherhood and make it relatable so that so many mothers would feel less alone in their journey and realize that a lot of what they're going through and a lot of what they're feeling is completely normal. So now you talk about feeling alone postpartum, right? And I think, you know, talking about um, PPD and postpartum anxiety that's becoming more mainstream, but there's also this feeling just because you feel alone sometimes, that doesn't necessarily mean you have postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. I think it's just a natural part of, like you talked about earlier, figuring out what your new identity is. So can you take me, and it's different for everyone, but can you take me through that process for you? Like, when did you start thinking like, oh my gosh, who am I other than other than mom? And how did you figure that out? So I would say I was so entrenched in the motherhood experience for at least the first six months that I wasn't thinking at all about myself. I was just kind of like on autopilot mode. How do I figure out how to take care of this child You know, how do I function on a day-to-day basis when it comes to showering and brushing my teeth and just doing those everyday activities? But I did, you know, for me, I did have a lot of postpartum anxiety. I felt this sense of how can I be a great mother? You know, how am I going to live up to all these expectations I have for myself and my child? And I put a lot of pressure on myself. And then once that kind of subsided and I got a little bit more comfortable in my rhythm and comfortable with my son, then I had to step back and say, wait, who do I want to be now? Like, am I still going to be a model? Am I still going to have the career that I had before? Especially because my postpartum body looked very different from my body before I had a baby. So I had all these internal questions that started bubbling up probably around the time George was maybe eight or nine months old. And then I had to have this really serious internal dialogue with myself about, 
well, what is it that I want now? How do I want to spend my time now that I have a child? Does it make sense for me to be getting on airplanes and doing modeling jobs? And how often do I want to do that? So I started having these intense feelings of like identity loss. And I wasn't sure which direction I wanted to go in. I wasn't sure what made sense for me at the time. And so I started having to really explore different avenues. And I said, you know, what's something I do or I can do that makes me happy that can give me that inner spark again? And for me, that was actually going back to writing. And I was, you know, sitting on my iPhone notes at 2 a.m. when George was asleep writing short stories about funny things he'd done or things that I'd found helped. And then that's how I collab collaboratively was able to put my book together. I love that. So for me, I, I went through a similar experience, except I did not wait even eight or nine months. I had been uh, working from home for the longest time. Uh, my husband's active duty military, so we moved around a lot and it was hard for me to find something outside the home. So I had worked from home, but when Oliver turned, he was like four months and I accepted a full-time position in another state. And I told my husband, I'm taking the baby. I'm moving back to Wisconsin um, <laughs> because all of a sudden I got this in my head and we had figured out our routine and, you know, I was getting back into shape and doing all the things you're supposed to as a new mom. But what I started to think about was, oh my God, what if something happens to my husband? I don't have a way to take care of this baby. So I decided to move across the country with a four-month-old <laughs> and take a full-time job outside of the home. And then it was this struggle that so many women face when their maternity leave is up, if they get maternity leave at all. That's, okay, I did this thing that I know is best for my family, but now I'm missing out on this time. Like, how do I how do I do both? How do I bring home money and spend time with my kid? And even now that Oliver's three and a half, three and a half years postpartum, um, <laughs> I'm going to start saying that now. Um, it's, it's a struggle trying to figure out like what I want our life to look like. And I don't think that that's unique because I think that a lot of moms go through that. So I guess, what advice would you have for, for me or for anyone else who's like, how do I, how do I do both? How do I make it work? I think it's unrealistic to think that you're going to find a perfect balance between home and work life. I, I feel like in general, there are always going to be fluctuations where mm -hmm. your energy is going to be pushed towards work or you're going to feel an intense desire to focus on your home life and then maybe your work life suffers. I really feel like that's just a part of the human condition. And so we go through this cycle of trying to balance it all the time. But what I can say is, or what I feel that is really important is that if you can look outside of yourself and really get a sense of what fills up your cup and makes you feel good inside, then it's okay that you don't always have the balance that you need. It's okay that you feel mom guilt because all moms do feel mom guilt. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just trying to manage it. And sometimes the best thing you can actually do is schedule your time in such a way where you're able to feel better about how you're balancing things. And what I mean by that is it may seem silly to put on your calendar bike ride with my son from, you know, three to four o'clock. But at the same time, then you know, okay, well, I've already scheduled this time to have that quality time with my child. And that's time that I'm going to set aside and make sure is really important and prioritize so that after you've had that time, you can at least say, well, I, I feel good about that because I gave him the attention that he needed. You know, I was able to feel a little bit less guilty in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. And I was be able to have that bond with my child. So sometimes it really comes down to scheduling. And, you know, I try to be very aware of that in my everyday life. Just even this earlier this week, I have been totally swamped with work and feeling like I have not been present at home and my brain is is scattered and thinking about, okay, I want to do this for work or that for work, or I'm problem solving this or problem solving that. And then I've got my son being like, mommy, will you play with me? Mommy, will you play with me? And putting that all to the side and not paying attention to that and then feeling really guilty about it. So I said, okay, you know what? he's more important to me right now. Like he's the one I want to be spending time with. Like I Mm -hmm. need to prioritize him in this moment or in this time. So for me on Wednesday, it was Wednesday. I had a couple of calls scheduled and I just canceled all my calls for the afternoon. I picked him up early from school. I took him to ice cream and we went to Barnes and Noble and that really helped me to fill up my cup. And we had such a good time together and we had a great conversation and I just needed to recenter myself and realize like, Hey, this has been so imbalanced for so Mm -hmm. long. It's time to tip the scales back in the right direction. So sometimes you really have to be deliberate about your time so that you know, okay, well, I'm going to feel really badly if I'm totally focused on work. So I need to schedule that time with my child or my spouse to make sure that I'm also paying attention to that aspect of my life. And I think sometimes we don't necessarily realize that just because they're little doesn't mean they don't see it. Like my son knows instinctively if I'm half-assing it when I'm playing trains with him. If I'm like sitting there like silently like trying to check the phone on the other side of my lap with my legs crossed and just (laughs) zoom zooming, he knows he's the mommy, mommy pay attention to me now. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yes, I will do that. Or he'll come up to, he'll say, mommy, it's time to put our, our, our iPads away. And I'm like, okay, it is time to put our (laughs) iPads away. You are correct. They, cause they know, they know when we're not giving them the full attention that they want or that they deserve. And they know that when we say, nope, this is mommy Ollie time and we're scrolling Instagram, that is not really mommy Ollie time. Right. Right. And you know, a lot of parenting courses tell you the same thing, which I actually think is a great tip, which is if you can schedule 10 to 15 minutes, which doesn't seem like very much, but 10 to 15 minutes every day for what I like to call quote unquote special time with your child, 
You let them choose the activity that they want to do and you be 100% present. So you put your phone away, you ask them what they want to do, and you let them direct you. And you will actually find that it fills up their cup just having that 10 to 15 minutes. It's such a small amount of time that has a major impact, not only on how you feel about your relationship with your child, but how they feel about you. Mm -hmm. I have this when I first started working outside the home when Ollie was little, I, I noticed that I would work constantly even after I was home. Like I remember sitting there nursing him at like 8.30 at night one time and my phone rang and it was my boss and I answered it while I was nursing my baby to sleep. And that was the moment where I went, oh my God, this is not sustainable. So now we have this rule that if you are not in my home between the hours of 5 and 8 p.m., you do not get my attention. Which I think is great. It's it's also about setting healthy boundaries. Right. I I have only, you know, and I, I do talk about this a little bit in my, in my book about prioritizing things, but setting healthy boundaries is equally as important. So I am very much a yes person. I always want to say yes to everyone because I am a people pleaser, mm-hmm. but I've only come to realize recently how important it is for my own mental health to say no and set boundaries for myself and know what my limitations are. It's okay that we have limitations. That's part of being human. We don't have to do everything all the time. So learning how to say no is actually a very important skill when it comes to work-life balance. Because even when you're saying yes, that also means you're saying no to something else, right? So if I'm saying yes to a 6.30 p.m. conference call, I'm saying no to dinner with my kid. Right. That's very true. I'm saying yes to answering this phone call, like as I'm about to put him to bed, I'm saying no to getting him in bed on time, having a good night's sleep and having a good morning the next morning. Right. And you need to prioritize yourself, especially as a mom, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, we have this sense that self-care is selfish and it's, it's not true. If you actually spend the time to take care of yourself and prioritize the things that make you happy, you find that not only does your work go smoother, but your family life is so much happier. So it's important to stop and prioritize those things, just like you said. Mm -hmm. So I want to shift to something else you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation. You said in the book, you talk about a lot of the taboos of motherhood. Yes. So with Mother's Day coming up, let's let's kind of let's go there because motherhood doesn't look the same for everyone and there are a lot of different kinds of moms and ways to be a mom. So when you say taboos and you talk about it in in the new mom code, what does that mean for you? So when I talk about taboo topics, what I'm typically what I mean by that is things moms are uncomfortable talking about with each other. So for example, I have a chapter in my book all about postpartum sex. And that's something that a lot of women feel very uncomfortable talking about, but something that's important to talk about. So that would be one topic. And then the other thing I also think is another taboo topic that people really don't like talking about is actually death. And I talk about in my book how you need to prepare 
for potential catastrophic situations in the future and why that's important. Because if you're able to look at things from the other way around, where you can actually think about death in a more logical way, you can sometimes relieve a lot of your stress. Because I think as a parent, there is always a concern of what, like you said, even earlier, what happens if something happens to my husband and I have to provide for my family, right? Mm -hmm. We're always thinking about as moms, the worst case scenario, but yet we aren't really actively doing things to quell those fears. So I talk about that in that chapter, you know, it's called all things come to an end. And, you know, it's really about stepping back and saying, okay, number one, you need to write a will or have a trust set up for your child. And if you look at the statistics in America right now, or the last ones that I read in 2020, only something like 34% of couples have a will. So you've, you've got to think like, okay, well, who would you want to take care of your child in the case of some catastrophic accident? But then you also have to be able to say, you know, maybe your concern is the financial one, right? Like how, if, if something happened to me, how would my son be provided for, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that means that maybe you need to spend some time looking at life insurance and maybe you need to take out, you know, $20 a month and put it towards life insurance so that if something does happen, then you have the ability to know and have the comfort of knowing that your child will be taken care of, right? So there are actionable things you can do to quell some of your fears when it comes to motherhood. So yeah, like I said, I would say sex, death. Also, you got, you got to also talk about breastfeeding and mom brain and, you know, burnout. I think these are also mm-hmm. things that mothers sometimes feel uncomfortable saying to one another. You know, I lately have felt very burnt out and I have certain tools and tips and tricks that I use to try to help myself quell that burnout. But, you know, when another mother's like, how are you doing? The likelihood that you're going to be like, I'm really burnt out. is actually, <laughs> you know, you're not going to say that. You're going to be like, I'm fine. Like things are busy, but I, right. you know, I've got this going on. And I think it's acknowledging that these things are happening and the way that you're feeling about all of these things. So these are kind of the taboo topics I talk about in my no, book. You're right. I think I've got two friends that actually get the honest answer from me when it's, oh, how are you doing? I, I'm suffering. Yeah, exactly. But I I hate But to everyone else, it's like, oh, we're doing great. Oh, we're having so much fun. Yeah. Learning how to pee standing up is the greatest. No, I don't hate cleaning the floor 73 times a day. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, I hate that about motherhood in a lot of ways. I hate that we feel this sense of having to put on this show really of, oh, everything's fine. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Instead of just being like, you know what? I am not getting any sleep. I am having a very hard time with behavioral issues with my son. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm very burnt out. Like, I just don't understand a lot of the times why women aren't more transparent about what's going on behind closed doors. And again, like I said, that's part of the reason I wanted to write this book was because I want women to know that all these things they are feeling are totally normal. Just like you said, 
you're you're always putting on this show. There's always this facade about what's really happening, but you've got maybe like one or two friends who you tell them really what's going on. And I think mothers need that. They want to know that what they're going through is normal. They want to feel like someone's relating to the issues that they're having. And I think it's so funny because we will see a, a a TikTok or something on Instagram and every single one of us will share it because we're like, yep, get that, relate. But then when it comes time to actually talk about it, we're like, nope, I'm good. Yeah. I'm it's, good. It, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I mean, personally, I try to live as authentically as possible mm-hmm. and I am that per, I, I guess with my friends, I'm that no filter person because if my girlfriend texts me like, how are you doing? You know, the other day I really just wrote to her, I'm so burnt out, right? Like instead of being like, I'm great, like things are fine, it's busy. I'm like, no, I'm just really burnt out. Because it's it's almost like if you can get to a point where you can be transparent about how you feel, that's in a way asking for help. And people are more willing to give you the support that you need if you're honest. Because we have this idea that we're supposed to hold all of this stuff inside. We're supposed to just be strong and we're supposed to dig it deeper and deeper and deeper instead of dealing with it. And I think when you're able to say to your friends, like, hey, I'm really burnt out, then the typical response is, what can I do to help you? Can we go get a lunch? Would that make you feel better? Can I bring you something? Because for the most part, we want to help our friends, right? But Mm -hmm. unless we're willing to tell them that we're suffering, we never get that help and we continue to internalize it. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest things, if if anybody is looking for Mother's Day ideas for me, one of the greatest things you can do is say, want to do a kid swap for two hours. I'll take (laughs) them on Saturday morning. You take them on Saturday afternoon. And I will be the happiest mama in the world. And that doesn't mean I don't love my baby. No, of course not. I love him more than anything, but please let me go to Target in peace without worrying about you touching every single butter dish and knocking things off the shelf. It's true. It's very true. (laughs) I mean, it's those little things. It's like being able to grocery shop in peace is is like a is heavenly, right? That's wonderful. So I, I totally get that. It's, I was actually thinking about Mother's Day as well. And I was like, what do I want for Mother's Day? And I, I honestly wanted to tell my husband, I just want to sleep in and lay in bed until I want to get up. Because when was the last time that I was able to do that? I mean, I can't think of the last time I was able to do that. You know you're still out of bed by 830, though. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Because you'll hear you'll hear bubble guppies and no, I don't want that cereal. No, mommy has to pour my milk. No, that's true. And the uh, little pounding fists on the door. Mommy, why aren't you up yet? Mommy, it's Mother's Day. You know, I love you. Mommy, I love you. Which it, it is funny because in those moments when I feel like you've reached your limit, they always tend to pull out that card where you're like just about to snap and they're like, Mommy, you look beautiful today. And then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? Usa. <laughs> no, Amanda, this conversation has been so much fun. If you could leave uh, the the listeners today with one piece of advice, one thing that they can do to 
thrive in motherhood or find their motherhood zen, what would that – I know there's like so many things. Yes. But what would your number one piece of advice or tip be? So my number one advice far and away, and I have a whole chapter on this in my book, is have an affair. And I don't mean that in the sense of have an affair with someone else. (laughs) What I mean is have a love affair with yourself. Give yourself the permission to find out what lights you up. And that may mean something as silly as you, you know, when your kid's at school, you make little Play-Doh figurines or macaroni jewelry, but it's something that you loved as a kid that made you happy. So I would say either do that. And then number two is, you know, start an affair with a new dream or a new passion. So if you've always dreamed of opening a bakery in Paris, I know that's crazy to say, allow yourself to have those dreams, right? Maybe that just means that you start spending a little bit of time for yourself baking something you really enjoy baking or trying a new recipe, or then it becomes, okay, well, maybe I want to do a bake sale. And then next thing you know, you're baking things for a bakery, right? So until you give yourself this permission to have an affair with something that you really love, that's something that lights you up, I think it's very hard to find yourself as a mom Mm -hmm. because you have to give yourself permission to be an individual outside of just being a mom. I love that. And I'm so glad that's the direction that you took it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, but I really believe, I really believe in that. I think women are so accustomed to giving of themselves all the time. Mm -hmm. It's always about your kids or your spouse or dealing with all of the responsibilities that come with motherhood. But underneath all of those layers, you are still you, right? You Mm -hmm. still have value that you can offer to the world or value that you can offer to yourself. And I think women forget that they have that ability to light themselves up in a way that maybe they haven't in a long time. So it's important to prioritize that. I love that. So now I want to read the book. Where can I find it? (laughs) So you can find the new mom code, Shatter Expectations and Crush It at Motherhood on Amazon. Uh, You can order it through Barnes & Noble and pretty much where books are sold. All right. And how can we continue this relationship or have the listeners reach out to you if they've got questions or they just want some funny stories about a cute (laughs) five-year-old? For sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Amanda Tice. And I also have a website, which is just amandatice.com. And I'm offering some fun, super bonuses for purchasing my book as well. So if you want a little self-care gift with your purchase, you can find that on my website. Awesome. Well, Amanda, thank you again so much for joining me today and happy Mother's Day to you and to, to everyone listening. And I'm sure we will be having more conversations soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I sincerely hope that you got something out of today that you are going to be able to take and use on your journey to wherever it is you're going. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share your takeaways on social media. Don't forget to tag me at Sarah Mayski on Instagram. While you're waiting for the next episode, 
please check out our exclusive Beyond Leadership community over on Facebook to connect with more like-minded and like-hearted individuals dedicated to learning, leading, and encouraging right alongside you every day. Until next time, let's go.